You want to open your copy of God's Word to 2 Peter. We're doing something new. Everybody say this is new. 2 Peter chapter 1. We are not going to do a series in 2 Peter, not yet, but we are for just a few weeks. We're going to take a look at at least a handful of God's promises as we walk into the end of the summer, finish strong. As we think about the summer, we're also thinking about what we carry with us. Some of us have carried a whole lot to maybe to the beach or on a vacation, and you know what it's like to, to pack car out. And for some of us, a little on a more serious note, some of us know a thing or two. We're going to be talking about promises. Maybe we know a few of God's promises, but maybe we're more familiar with promises that we've made and we have failed to keep. Anybody with me? Maybe, maybe some of your biggest regrets looking back are promises that you at the time were fully committed to that, that you were going to follow through with, and then you dropped the ball, and then you forgot, and then you got busy, and then something else came up. For, for some of us as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever it is, that we have made promises to those that, that have clung to our promises, that have grabbed hold of the commitments we've made to them, Maybe you remember when you were younger, promises that were made to you and you're still waiting. Maybe a promise from a mom, from a dad, and they never came through. And, and maybe the baggage that we carry with us, that we need help and we need healing. Over the next weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we take all of the, the baggage that weighs us down, that we carry with us, that we haven't dealt with, that hasn't been resolved, and how do we look to God's Word to be able to see God's promises that God has promised things that are going to bring help and hope right where we need it most, where, where we struggle the most. And today, we're, we're kicking off with an introduction, okay? So pray for me that I, that I would keep this under, under two hours, all right? There's a whole lot to say in way of introduction. It's really hard to concise as we introduce a new series, but we're going we're gonna to try hard, all right? You are going to amp up your prayer life, life to like you've never done before, right? You're praying for me that we're going to get out of here by noon. So let's, let's do this. Let's go right to the Lord. Let's ask him to help us that, that God's promises are bigger than your baggage. God's promises are bigger, they're better, and we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Peter has to say, just in way of introduction about God's promises to us. Second Peter 1, we're just going to take a look at verses 3 and 4, but I want to be able to fill some of these things in with God's promises. So God's promises are bigger. They're bigger than your baggage. And we're starting with this, just in way of introduction. God by nature, if you're taking notes, God by nature is a promiser. He's a promiser. Throughout history, God has been making promises, and guess how many failed promises God has on his record? Everybody hold up the universal symbol. Zero. None. Guess how many in the future? How many promises that he's going to make and not deliver on? How many in the future is he going to fail? None. 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 Ever. He cannot do it. He cannot fail. Every promise that he has ever made, he will follow through with because he's a promiser. It's what He's been doing, it's what he will do. When God promises, hopefully this changes the way we think about our present, the way we think about our future. For some of us struggling with maybe baggage of the past, that this would be hope-giving, that God is bigger than all of our baggage. God, by nature, he's a 
promiser. So should we start with this, just this way of definition? What is, what is a promise? What is a promise? Good place to start. Everybody say that's a good place to start. Definition, definition. A promise is the assurance God gives his people so that they can walk by faith while they wait. Everybody say wait. Waiting. We're waiting for him to work. We're waiting for him to work. There's assurance. There's confidence. Assurance that God gives his people so that they can walk by faith while they wait for him to work. God makes promises. God always keeps all, all, all his promises. Here we go. Verses 3 and 4, 1 Peter chapter 1. The apostle Peter here wanting to encourage the church of his day, the, the church today. His divine power has granted to us all things. Everybody say all things. All things that pertain to life. There he's talking about, just pause, 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 right? He's talking about he's given us everything for eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Okay, that, that's for forever. He's given us everything we need to ensure that we can know we're going to heaven and godliness. That's life in the here and now. Both forever changed, promises forever kept in heaven waiting for us. But there are promises and commitments that God makes. He gives us everything for godliness to live a godly life in the here and now. How? How? What does he say? Peter says, through the knowledge of him. Having knowledge of him. Who's him? Talking about Jesus. Everybody say it's Jesus. Jesus. It, it's Jesus who called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious, very great promises. Uh, multiple different translations. than The New King James. I, I like this. We're going to use this later. Very exceedingly great promises. I like that. Do you like that? Precious and exceedingly exceedingly everybody say exceedingly exceedingly okay talking great that great so if you're taking notes god's promises are great they're great god's promises come from a great god why are they great because god is great everybody believe that can trust that these promises are great because the one who promises them i know what he's like a great god doesn't make mediocre average run-of-the-mill kind of promises he makes great promises. He comes through and from a great God, these promises. Jeremiah 32, 27 quotes God saying, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Do you love that question? God, God's asking of the day and I think asking us today. Really? That? Is there anything too hard for me? Do you think that's too difficult for me? Do you know who I am? Because he's great. He's a great God that makes great promises and he has to clarify to his people that doubt, baggage that we carry of questioning and doubting and cynical and negative. And he says, really? Is there anything too hard for me? Sometimes we look at our needs, look at our circumstances and say, no way. Are you there today? You could, no way. I, I know where we've been. I know where I've been. I know what I have capacity to do. I know the resources that are allotted to me. I know the circumstances I'm in and I'm looking at a future and all I can say is no way. There's no way this is working out. There's no way this is going to come through. You hear God say today, Art, and allow your mindset leaving here be different. That where there are areas of doubt, question, baggage that bring that bring God and we hear God's voice. Is there anything too hard? Is there anything too hard? In church, how do we answer? 
No, come on, with, with conviction, is there anything too hard for me, God asks, and you say, no, absolutely not. There is nothing. I have seen him work in the past. I know he's going to show up with strength and power and promise in the future. He cannot fail. His promises to me are true. He has a perfect track record. He's not going to stop now. He's brought you to where you're at today. And he's just getting warmed up. Is there anything too hard for me? God, no. No, there is not. God promises cover. Here's this. The great issues. The great issues of of life and sin and death, good, evil, fear, despair, hope, purpose. You can search the Bible for answers to the biggest issues you will ever face. I don't know when the last time that you had questions, big questions, not just small questions and concerns, not just I'll figure this out on my own, but I do not know I am at a loss and that you would open God's word and you would just ask, God, what do you have to say about this subject? What do you have to say about this area of my life? Because God is not just great, but his book is great. And his book is filled with answers and solutions to all of the big issues, even the most difficult issues of life. The great issues, here it is, here it is. He's a great promiser. His promises are great. And God's promises bring us great comfort. Have you experienced that? The comfort of God, the comfort that cannot come from another human being, the comfort that cannot satisfy from what a fellow struggler can offer and that God comforts. He brings heavenly comfort. Have you felt comfort? Have you experienced comfort from God? Could I say this just as a side note? That God is always eager, ready to unload the dump truck of comfort in our lives, in our situations but he's waiting for us to stop scrambling around, trying to find quick and easy comfort everywhere else and finally stop and say, God, I'm searching nowhere else. You are it. You're not the last. You're the first. You're the go-to. God, I need comfort, and I'm not going to Oreos. I'm not going to alcohol. I'm not going to pornography. I'm not going to gossip and slander, and I'm not going to everybody else to try to unload on and for them to side with me. I need comfort that is heavenly comfort and it's better. Better. Everybody say it's better. It's better than anything else. Horizontally, vertical comfort is ours. If we would just ask. If we would ask. God's promises lead to a great life. That's why God's promises are great. The world advertises the good life. Anybody subscribe to, to that plan? of all of the marketing and all the advertising of this is your best life now, this is how you can have it, this is your way, your dream, and the same thing. God is offering life, real life. The first scripture that I ever memorized, and, and our kids know this every time they come across John 10.10, 10, they're like, that's dad's verse. We know and we experience the stealing and the killing of our lives from Satan. But Jesus came that we would have abundant, exceeding, overflowing life. That's why Jesus came, to give the real thing. Everybody say the real thing. No imitations, no counterfeit. He's here, and he's giving us real life. That's why his promises are great, because we can sense it, feel it, see it, taste it, experience the life, the great life. Not a good life, the great life that God is offering. 
Here we go. If you're taking notes, God's promises are they're not, they're not just great. They're exceedingly, everybody say exceedingly. There it is. Oh, it's exceedingly great, right? By which he has granted to us his precious and very exceedingly, excessively, overflowing, abundant, great promises so that through him you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desires. Well, what, what is so exceedingly great about God's promises? Well, here's, here's some quick ones. If you're, if you're taking notes, we, we're just going to run through a few, right? What's better? What's better? God's promises. Better than what? They're greater than, they're better than human wisdom. Human wisdom. Proverbs 18.2, if you're, if you're going to jot down that address. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Who does that? A fool. What's understanding? We're talking about God's understanding, biblical understanding, biblical literacy, right? To know the words, to know the promises. And we're reminded, a fool, a fool does not want God's understanding. A fool loves opinions of others, their own opinions. Human wisdom? Anybody down with human wisdom? Anybody in favor of that? Down with human wisdom? What, what else? Promises greater than white-knuckled obedience. White-knuckled obedience. Go ahead and grab the uh, the back of the pew in front of you. Go ahead and grab hold. You can do it with two hands if you're able to. Maybe just one. Go ahead and grab. You want to grab on tight. Grab on tight. If you squeeze as hard as you could for maybe the rest of this message, what do you think are what's going to happen? You're going to be white-knuckling it. You're going to see blood flow stopping. You're grabbing on for dear life. Well, I don't know what your background is, but for some of us, prefer to kind of white knuckle our way Christian life as opposed to resting God's exceedingly great promises. God, I, I know you can come through, but like, let me work my tail off first and let me do all that I can do. We spent years in Utah and one of the greatest of scriptures of, of the Mormon scriptures is that God's grace is sufficient for you after all that you can do. That's inspired by Joseph Smith, by God. After all that you can do, after you white-knuckle it and work hard, and if, and if you fail after all that, then, then God will show up. When we know God's promises, we go there first and we rest in them. We don't live a life where we're working hard to try to make God happy and not blow it and make sure everybody sees that that we're kind of in line and we're doing the work and unlike those people that get it and that we're going after it the only problem is what it's in our our own strength it's for our own glory and God's saying my promises are better you sweating it out trying to impress me other God God's made promises that you rest Find your strength in them. No white knuckling. Down with white knuckling. Here we go. Greater is exceedingly great promises are greater than wallowing in self-pity. Wallowing. I don't know when the last time you wrote down wallowing, but that's how you spell it. There you go. You're welcome. All right. Wallowing in self-pity. Well, I'm doing so much for God and I'm working so hard. I'm sacrificing and giving. I, I don't know where everybody else is at, but like I'm doing the work and Nobody's thanking me, and how come nobody notices? Or where's the pat on the back? And God, I have sacrificed so much for you. 
Why, why aren't you providing exactly what I need when I need it? Where are you at, God? I've done my part. Why aren't you doing your part? Self-pity, self-pity, self-pity. Woe is me. And look at my life and what I deserve. And did you know that God's, God's promises are better? Better than living like that. So much better. God's promises are exceedingly great. And here we go. If you're taking notes, precious. All right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to do my my best Gollum impression. All right. Maybe maybe some of the some of my friends. If you wanna if you wanna try your best best precious, we won't hand you a mic. All right. But as we think about precious, there's a lot of ways that we either think Lord of the Rings. We think like bring that that chubby cheeked little little baby to me. Like isn't she precious? Everybody say it's not that. It's not that. Here we have Peter. And Peter is writing this letter. And for, for all we know, this is some of the last words that Peter ever spoke or penned before he died. Anybody remember young Peter? If, I don't know where your, your Bible trivia is at, but we have this guy, Peter, that is always kind of jumping in when he should have backed up and speaking up when he should have shut up and and impulsive, and then when it's time, when it's really time to be able to do the work, then he runs and hides and denies and lies and covers up and feels like his life is over. Fast forward, okay? Okay, fast forward to the end. Peter's at the end of his life. He's a wiser, older, seasoned. And when Peter says there are precious promises, he's not careless with words. He has looked at the of his life. And there's only one explanation that Peter made it all the way to the end. That he led the way to church. That he did not die Jesus. But instead, he knew he was slaughtered, killed. Anybody, anybody remember from church history? What was the end of Peter's life? He thought that he wasn't worthy to be crucified the way that Jesus was. He said, Crucify me upside down. When he says that God's promises are precious to him, this is how precious. Willing to be tortured to death and not denied to the very end because he's holding on to what? Promises of his God. God has promised things to Peter and Peter made it all the way to the end. He did not give up. That's how precious. This is so powerful. The author of Hebrews, he wrote this. Hebrews 6, if you want to jot this address down, Hebrews 6, 11 through 18. Hebrews 6, 11 through 18. Just further describing, talking about promises of God from Abraham's perspective. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance, full assurance of hope until the end, all the way to the end, so that you may not be sluggish. Everybody say, don't do that. Not, not, not lazy, not passive, not sluggish, but imitate of those who through faith and patience, faith and patience. Somebody lift up your voice and say faith and patience. Faith and patience, because of that, inherit promises. There it is, promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since, we, since he had no one greater by whom to, to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you, right? God, God's words repeated them over 
God, you said, I will bless you and multiply. You said this, and I'm holding to your promises. And thus, Abraham, having patiently, there it is again, patiently waited. What did he do at the end of patiently waiting, believing the promise? It says he obtained. He obtained. He, he got the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, what did he do? The unchangeable character of his purpose is what is listed. And then second, the guarantee with an oath so that by these two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, it's what? Possible. It's what? It's impossible for God to lie. May that set you free to know God cannot lie. What he says will be. It doesn't matter my perspective, my feelings, my emotions. God who cannot lie. And it says, we, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. Not, not just a little bit of encouragement, right? Not just, a little, not just a little scoop of encouragement. We're talking huge, mega, abundant, strong encouragement to do what? To hold fast, to grab hold of the hope set before us. I love it. So God guarantees his promise to Abraham how? I don't, know, I don't know if you have this in your notes. If you want to jot this down, what are the two unchanging realities that, that Abraham believed and held onto and obtained the promise? Here they are. His character. His character. Do you see that? The unchangeable character of God's purpose. Do you see that there in Hebrews 6? And then his word. What God says. He said it. Guaranteed it. God guarantees things. Guaranteed. It's going to happen. What is a promise? An oath made by God to guarantee that it's going to happen. So who God is, what God says, are those the most important things to you? I hope as you as you go through seasons that shake you, rock you for, as everything around you is falling apart, the future is so uncertain that now more than ever, now more than ever before in your life, you would say, God's promises. That's what I'm clinging to. That's where I'm drilling down. That's where I'm putting my roots deeper and deeper. I know nothing of what's going to happen. I can't honestly trust anybody because I'm surrounded with sinners. Can you believe that? Right? And you're one of the people that somebody else is surrounded by, right? We all fail. We all falter. We all make a mess. God will and cannot lie and cannot fail. So whatever he says and whatever he says he is in his character, that's what we cling to. So because of his unchangeable nature, God's character and his word, God's promise to Abraham could not change. So here, here's a big word, covenant. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? Big fancy word, covenant. Have you heard that before? If we think about our Bible, we think about that there's an old covenant or an Old Testament and a new covenant or New Testament. A covenant. We see covenants throughout all of Scripture. And there are these promises by God, these commitments that God makes. If you want to jot this down, a covenant is it's a sworn oath between two parties. Between two parties. We have a commitment making making an oath. You think about it. Um, Jimmy, you want to come up? It, if there's two people coming together and they're agreeing, whatever it is, right? Say, we are going to make a commitment. Well, back in the day, if uh, two people got together and said, we are going to agree together on something that's pretty pretty big. You know what they would do? Kind of messy, kind of bloody. Uh, they would get a sacrifice. They would chop an animal in half. They would separate the two parts. And then the two 
would walk between, walk through, and what are they saying? If you break your oath, if you break your commitment, if this covenant is broken by you, that's what's going to happen. And if I fail, that's what happens to me. And we are picturing it and seeing the blood and the massacre. That's how serious a covenant is. Thank you. How committed God is to his covenant. There's conditional covenants and unconditional covenants. God has made some conditional covenants. If you do this, then I will do this. I don't know how much you remember of Old Testament covenants of if you obey my commands, I will bless you, right? It's conditional. God has made some unconditional covenants that he's like, even if you blow it, even if you mess up, my side, I'm locked in. I am not going to let you down. Even if you let me down, I'll never let you down, God says. Unconditional. Only God can do that, right? This oath, this commitment, this covenant God, he's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Is that good news to you? That what God says he's going to commit to, so much of it is not contingent upon what I do. He's going to be faithful even when faith left. That Even when I blow it, even when I mess up, that he is going to do his part. We can't allow our disappointments with the uncertainties of living in a fallen world to destroy the assurance that we have in God. Have you ever had a disappointment with God? Have you ever been let down, assuming God's not hearing, God's not showing up, God's not answering, disappointed, disappointed, disappointed? Maybe today the reminder of no matter what you see, no matter what you think, no matter what you expect, God is working. He's working out his plan. He will follow through. He will not let you down. I, I wrote down just a, a list of such powerful passages. If you want to write down these addresses, Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, guaranteed. But my words will not pass away. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare, hold back his own son, but gave him up for us all. Everybody say all. There it is. He gave Jesus up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? When we have a God, a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God that does not hold back his own son to be sacrificed, what is bigger than that that you're concerned that he is not going to follow through? Right? That's the argument that Paul is making. We must look with confident faith to the time God's promises will, everybody say will, they will come true. They will come true. God's promises are designed to be tested if you're taking notes. So all of these commitments, these covenants, what are we supposed to do with them? Believe, right? But after today, I want you to be thinking about this. God calls us to test his promises, to try them, to test them, put them to the test. God's promises are designed that way. Psalm 119, 140. I love this passage. I love it. I love it. I love it. The psalmist says, your promise is well tried. So many have taken you at your word and they have lived accordingly by faith. It's well tried. And this is what he says. And your servant loves it. Isn't that awesome? Are you a servant of the one true? Are you serving him with your life? The question is, 
Are you also jumping in and testing and trying His promises? That you wouldn't just know in your head. It's not just a knowing thing. It's an experiential thing. That I know, that I know, that I know that His promises are true because I tested the promise and He keeps on not failing, always executing, following through. And I I love what the psalmist says. And I love it! 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 I can keep testing Him. I can keep taking Him at His word. I can keep believing what He says and living like it. Living a lifestyle where I'm committed over and over again you said it, I believe it. You said it, I believe it. I'll live it, I'll live it. Not just know it, I'll live it. And I love that God's promises, that they are to be had, received, get God's promises so that I can give Him glory, that I can give testimony how He is followed through and that He cannot fail. Joshua 21, 45, if you're jotting some more of these sweet addresses down, look them up later, Joshua 21, 45. Not one word of all good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. None of them failed. All, everybody say all, all came to pass. All of them, all of them. Joshua's name praise. They're all, and they're good, and they all came to pass. 1 Kings 8, 56. 1 Kings 8, 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest. Anybody need that? Rest to his people Israel. According to, there it is, all, somebody say all, all that he has promised, all that he has promised, not one word has failed of all his good promises, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. So God doesn't make promises that you don't need. He expects if he promised it, he knows that you're going to need it, and you're going to need it desperately. You're going to need him to show up, and follow through, and that he's not just cheap with promises. He knows that you're in need. So what are we in need of? What kind of promises? You want to jot this down? Promise of protection. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, God, protect me, protect me. I need your protection. I need, I need your help right now. How about promises of provision? God, I don't know where we're going to get it. I don't know how this is going to happen. You don't provide. Done for. We're done. Provision. How about this? Promises of perseverance. I can't do it. I can't keep going. If you don't hold me, if you don't drag me, if you don't carry me, right, I am done for. Anybody familiar with the footprints in the sand? I'm, maybe some of you have seen seen the poem about uh, God. Why is it that when it, when I'm looking at my life and there's there's spots where where there's no footprints, right? There's there's no double set of footprints. There's just one. And uh, as as nostalgic as it is. And as comforting as it may be, just hearing that God, God carries us through seasons. We can persevere, not alone. In fact, we need, we need help. But we are called to do our part, right? So I don't know if maybe the next poem we need to write is like butt prints in the sand, where God said, I've been carrying you and carrying you, and I'm asking you, keep going, don't give up. Then he drops us in the sand and says, keep going, let's do it together. He's holding my hand but he's not carrying me during certain times. And some of us feel it, right? Some of us can feel the sense of God's carrying me through this. Other times, I know he's there, but he's telling me to keep pressing on. I need to do my part and he's going to grace me with promises that I will persevere. Our lives are proof. Not just that there might be a God, but that God's word is absolutely 
true. People look at our lives and we're believing God's promising. This is what should happen. I don't know if this has happened to you. And I'm not saying this is going to happen all the time. But there are people that are watching our lives. And they watch us leaning, trusting, resting. God that they don't, they can't see. Maybe it's not right away. Year after year after year. I don't know if somebody would just come over to your house and just knock. Can we do that anymore? Somebody came over to your house and said, can I ask you a question? What do you have? What do you have? What do you know that nobody else knows? What do you have that nobody else has? Because I'm watching your life and there's something different. You're responding differently to what's happening. If I was going through what you were going through, I would be in a very, very different place. Our lives show evidence that God's word is true. Because though people may not be reading the word, they're reading our lives. They're watching a God alive and active, powerful, making promises. And we're taking him at his word. We're taking him at his word. Number four, write this down. God's promises are, they're activated by faith. They're activated by faith. Faith isn't passive. It's an action. It's an action. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's an action. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Faith is not passive. Faith is an action. Do. Entrust. Go by faith. If you say, I'm waiting for God to act. I've just been waiting. I've been waiting. Are you actively waiting? Because sitting back as a as a jobless man or woman, not applying for jobs, right? We'd say, what are you waiting for exactly? Because there is a doing. Faith is acting. It's alive. If your faith is alive, it shows up that you are moving as you're waiting. You are not passive. You are active in your in your faith. I love this. The promises of God are not I know he promised it, so I'm sitting back and waiting. It's activated by faith. God's going to follow through. And in many cases, he is watching and waiting for our faith to grow legs. So check the areas of your life in which you need to exercise faith in God's promises. I just I wrote down a few. I don't know where, where you're at this morning. Here's, here's a few. Where do I need exercise faith? In my marriage? family, parenting, maybe physical or emotional or mental illness, maybe in way of career, job, finances, future, spiritual growth, relationships, witnessing, evangelizing, sharing your faith with others, spreading the gospel. Maybe you're going through grief. Maybe you know that God is calling you to minister. and You are passive instead of active. Maybe you're going through a season of anxiety, depression. God is saying, Faith is to be lived out. You don't wait for the emotions to be right. You don't wait to back until everything falls into place. Faith is a action. It's an action. We go. And I don't know if this is going to be helpful, but for many of us, the promise, God's promises to us, they never become real until, until this. If you're taking notes, step one, you see the promise. You see it? You see it? You know God's promises, you know of the 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises in Scripture, you know them. You can't know God's promises if you don't know God's Word. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me so far? If, if you don't know what God has said, you don't know what God has promised. If you don't know what this book speaks, it speaks of great promises, but if you don't know what they are, you cannot trust in them. You cannot rely on them. Do you, do you see it? How about this? Moving beyond the seeing is step two. You savor the promises. I love this. Psalm 34, 8. Have you heard this before? So the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I taste with my spiritual taste buds. I taste and I, I see that the Lord is good. I don't just know that He's good. I've experienced it. I, I savor it. I linger. I meditate on God's goodness. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who takes refuge in, in Him. And we don't stop there. Step three, you share the promise. You share the promise. Do you know how so many people learn of what God's promises are? Do you know where they get it from? You know what I have found? Okay, this is just a side note. This is just my personal, personal experience. The majority of the times when I talk to people about how they have heard about a promise that God has made, it's not because they stumbled upon or found it in the Bible. It's how? It's because someone is open in their mouth and they're testifying testifying of, I've been clinging to this promise that God has made. This has become my life verse. And I, I wrote it down and I memorized it. And why do you have that up on your wall? Because that's a promise that I needed during a certain season. I need to be reminded of it. And I need to hold on to it. So many times the promises of God are learned because they're shared by one living and resting in that When's the last time that you have shared God's word? You said, I, I don't just know it. I haven't just seen it. I'm not just savoring it and holding it in my heart personally. It is so awesome. It is so great. It is exceedingly great. It's not just that. It's so exceedingly great and precious that I can't keep it to myself. I can't shut up about this. I got to tell people God's promises are true. They're real. I'm living proof of it. God showing up for me. He wants to do that for you. Is that your story? Is that your lifestyle? Just opening your mouth and sharing these words. Well, as the worship team comes up, let's land here. Everybody say, land the plane. All right. God's promises are experienced in Jesus. God's promises are experienced in Jesus. This is so awesome. All of God's promises, it doesn't matter a lick if you don't know Jesus you are not in right relationship with the promise maker, those promises are not true for you. Everybody tracking? Unless you know the promise maker, unless you are in right standing with the promise maker, unless you've been forgiven by this promise maker and this promise keeper, the promises don't make a difference. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Jesus and Jesus. Let me, let me fire through these covenants, these oaths, these commitments that God has made. Just, just a few, okay? Do you have those in your notes? Here's a few things that are absolutely true because of the fulfillment that the Messiah has come and he's done the work he was called to do. Covenant with Adam, Genesis 2 through 3. Promise that a son of Adam would bring victory. Did it happen? Yes, yes it did. Huh. Covenant with Noah, Genesis 6 and chapter 9. Promise to protect mankind 
and ensure the protection for the coming Messiah. Did it happen? Yes, his promise came true. Oh, we're, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We have a covenant with Abraham. Did he make a commitment, a covenant, a promise with Abraham? Yes, he did. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17. Look it up yourself. He promised to bless all nations through a miraculous birth, starting with Abraham. Is that happening? Are all nations being blessed because a miraculous birth happened and the results continue on? The promise made to Abraham? Is it going to all the nations? Yes, the gospel is being spread around the world. How about this? Covenant with Moses, Exodus 19 through 31. Promise not to forsake his people and don't forsake the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world that he would never reject, he would never forsake his own. Is that true? Is that true? Is that happening? He is still in the business of never forsaking, never rejecting, and ensuring the Lamb would be sent. How about this covenant with David, 2 Samuel 7? Promise that the everlasting King and Savior would come. He promised that David has a throne, but there's going to be one that's going to come, that there's going to be one of David's lineage, and he will come. And he will sit on what kind of throne? Not a temporary earthly throne. He's going to sit on a heavenly throne, an eternal throne. Where is Jesus? He's on this throne. Why? Because he made a promise. Did he keep it? He did. And here's the last. There is a brand new covenant, a new covenant, that we remember when we take communion, that there is a covenant in blood. Promise to redeem forever all. Everybody say all. This new covenant promises to redeem forever all. Call in the name of Jesus. Is he doing that? Has he done that in your life? That he promised he would redeem. He promised he would forgive. He promised that he would rule and reign Ensure that you would make it all the way through, all the way home, all the way to heaven. He is doing that, and he will do it very end. Let's stand together.